This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. We're on a collision course for the national championship, and only variable is time. Because the train is rolling, so anybody out there, I can't tell you what's going to happen right now. Get on board, but get out the way. That's what that is right there. We're coming like this, man. When you like this, you can't be beat, baby! You're listening to From the Pink Seats Podcast of the State of Louisville Podcast Network. Now, here's your host, Jacob Lane, Matt McGavin, and Vince LaCoco! Fellas, it's a wine Wednesday here on From the Pink Seats Podcast. It is a wonderful evening to talk Louisville football. How are we? Well, I'm out of bourbon right now, so, I mean, I don't know what you're talking about over there. Are we officially washed now? No, no. We established several weeks ago that wine is an acceptable drink for talking about football. Okay? I think we did. Uh, I can get Dana Kennard to come on and back me up here. We can have a discussion oh, about the episode I wasn't yeah, on. The episode so, you weren't on for. That's right. Yeah, we, we're shocked you're even here tonight. You might want to listen to that one, Matt. We're shocked oh you're even God. here, bro. We thought we were getting big-timed after you went out there and did your, your radio shtick today. So, uh, listen, that I'm is, tired. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's what I thought. Uh, Jacob Lane, Presley Meyer, Vince Lococo, Matt McGavick from the Pink Seeds Podcast. Welcome Man, we've got a great episode tonight. We're going to talk about the quarterback position, and we're going to talk about slinging the rock. Jack Plummer, I know you've heard about him by now. If you have been following the offseason for Louisville football, Jeff Brahms, likely starting quarterback in 2023, comes from Cal Berkeley. And we're going to talk to Jim McGill tonight of Bear Insider, uh, an expert on Jack Plummer. Matt, do you remember the episode with Aaron Sorensen about Luke McCaffrey? I swear to God, if that happens the same way. <laughs> Wasted an entire episode for a quarterback who entered the portal, what, three, three weeks days later? Yeah, the well, three days wait, was, into his tenure. Into his tenure. He, now he no, like after we recorded, how long did it take for us between, after we recorded that for him to actually leave? I think it was, right, but I he, think was, he was on campus for like. He was on did, campus, but yeah. he never enrolled in classes. Yeah, that's what it was. And then he left that's what uh, it was. after he, he's, I believe he just like dipped straight out of practice, if I'm not mistaken. Like, he oh, was like, never, he was never at practice. Never, he at practice. never actually like put anything on, I don't think. He might have like tried shit on and been like, no, it doesn't fit. I'm going to leave. <laughs> It's <laughs> certainly an interesting way to decide to leave a program. Not nope, you got the wrong size jersey for me. I'm out. Nope. That it's obvious that you don't care about me. Uh, do you know who I am? Do you know my last name? And look, the, the last name Plummer, a, a familiar name at the quarterback position. No, he is not related to Jake the Snake Plummer. He is not. I I thought that he was originally. How fitting would that be for him to be the son of of Jake Plummer? Uh, and for our audience who don't know Jake Plummer, do your research. One of the coolest quarterbacks in the history of quarterbacks. I think that dude owns like a mushroom farm now, if I'm not yes, mistaken. Yeah, that, yeah. Farm. 
dude and he he looks wild matt right here while you're sitting with us google what what jake Plummer looks like now because it is an experience i saw it a couple years ago uh or a couple months ago i I think like on espn or something very interesting he did a he did an interview with pardon my take oh my god guys (laughs) dude it was wild i'm gonna have to listen to that that's oh you need to watch it on youtube because okay they they have the mushroom farm and they're in the mushroom farm it's wild (laughs) He, this he doesn't was, even look like the Jake Plummer I remember watching. That's right, what but he f- became relevant if you remember early this season when Aaron Rodgers talked about uh, doing psychedelics and eating mushrooms this off season because I'm pretty sure he linked up with Jake Plummer. But no, that that that's a whole nother. Uh, lane that we would have to go down here tonight as much as i think talking about mushrooms with, on the show would be very interesting we're going to talk about jack Plummer, and we're going to probably call him jake Plummer a couple of times so please bear with us uh, we do we do have our bearings straight here but it's likely to happen as we talk about him tonight um fellas let's let me just open the show with this we're going to talk for a few minutes before we bring jim on um and dive a little bit more into the specifics but just instant reaction what you thought louisville was getting in and uh jack Plummer. After doing a little bit of research, I, I think Plummer serves as definitely more than just a one-year stopgap while Pierce Clarkson kind of waits in the wings and develop. Like, this this is a quarterback. I know he's not the sexy name like a lot of fans want. He's not like a Grayson McCall or Brennan Armstrong or a Devin Leary or a DJ Oyungle, one of those guys. He's not one of the, the sexy names, but he is a quarterback that is going to make sure that Louisville's offense is – competitive in year one of the Jeff Rom era. I mean, I think you can add some wins with him as your quarterback. Like you look at the schedule and you can say, okay, I think he's good enough to make us at one or two games better overall. Vince, it's been a long time since Louisville has had a traditional pocket passer. There there have been, you know, guys who have thrown for some prolific numbers, Lamar Jackson, the last 3000 yard passer. And I'm going to get into the statistics here and kind of the story behind Plummer and how he got to Louisville, but it's a new day in Louisville. I mean, especially for somebody like you, who's seen all these dual threats. Right, I, I guess I dating all the way back I, to the forties. I didn't have, I, yeah, right. I didn't, I didn't have a traditional quarterback in college. I guess, like thinking about it, because I went from, you know, Lamar. I mean, Kyle Bowen was there, but yeah. it's almost like a completely different offense. Is getting ran whenever Kyle was out there. That's the last true like pocket pass. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you went, you went Lamar. I love uh, Kyle Bowen, man. Jordan, uh, even Jordan Travis at the time. I mean, he was a freshman, but very ill-experienced. So you're gonna run with him more. Presley, what about you, man? What do you, what do you think overall with uh, with Plummer and what he brings to the to the Louisville offense? Just a complete change of pace from from what we've become accustomed to. What's uh, it like in alcohol? What, what's it like? You're drinking what with the former quarterbacks, and then you're drinking what with Plummer? Like, what's the what's the change up here? Well, it's me... like a four loco. It's a good time. You're going. Crazy. And Jack Plummer's like a glass of wine, dude. You're, you feel yeah. fine sometimes the day after, and sometimes you're hurting. You never really know. Jack Plummer's just like a sensible, like, like cool nine dollar bottle of wine. Just very. <laughs> I just love very that. sensible and and kind of like just uh, I, I I don't know much about wines, but I'm going to say, you know, kind of a buttery wine. You know, when somebody drinks drinks a wine and they're like, oh, this is pretty this is buttery. Like, like do that like thing with their mouth, you know. Um, yeah, I think he's like a like a Miomi. Mm. Um, and, and the reason I say this is because he's not a guy that's going to overpower you. And we, we talked to Jim about this a little bit, uh, but it's it stands out on tape that he's not you know a, a Lamar Jackson or a, a Will Gardner type of, of thrower of the football. He puts a lot of touch on on the ball, and 
Uh, you good? Yeah, yeah, right, man. yeah. we're no, good. I'm trying not to cough because then if I start coughing, it's over. So oh, I thought you were trying to say his balls are soft. Yeah, that's that's pretty much what I was trying to say. Yeah, here here we go. But, but how are we going to go this far into the episode? I don't know where the time is without talking about. And I'm really disappointed. In you, oh, here we go. Sorry, talking going. about Bobby Petrino mm. going to Texas. A&M. Well, hey, that's not the content of this show. You I mean, it's simple as that. It. If Bobby Petrino left UNLV after three weeks to go to Texas A&M. All right, back to Jack to Jack Plummer here. Yeah, right. A classic Bobby Petrino move, showing the the true person that he is. But let's let's look at the tail of the tape here from Jack Plummer and what Louisville's getting. Um, six foot five, two hundred twenty pound quarterback. He's played Purdue now in California, so he's. I think this is going to be his sixth year in college football. I'm pretty sure. Played four years at Purdue, one year at Cal. Um, he comes in at, to uh, went into Purdue in the class of 2018. Was a top 600 player. Was the number 22 ranked pro style quarterback in the country, and was the fifth best player in the state of Arizona. And then overall, his career at Cal. This is kind of where the numbers. You know, I, I'm not sure really what to think of the numbers. To be honest with you, you look at the 3,095 yards. He's got a 62.5 completion percentage, 21 touchdowns to nine interceptions, which is far better than what we had around here. Uh, but Cal is four and eight. And two and seven in conference. Like that's a really poopy team. And you look at a poopy team and you often point to the poopy quarterback. Like that's just how it goes oftentimes in college football. When you're that bad, you typically have a bad quarterback. And California has had really good quarterbacks in the past. And I feel like when you look at the numbers for this kid, he doesn't get, you know, the the love that he needs. And Matt, you wrote you wrote it out in your article on uh, the Louisville report that if this guy had and you you give him Cal's offensive line, I transfer mm-hmm. out Louisville's offensive line out west to play and, and block four for Plummer. Matt, what, what did you say? You said he'd be what? One of the, like one of the more prolific passers in the Pac-12, if not FBS, because he was that good with a clean pocket. And you have a lot of really good advanced stats in that in that piece. And I would really encourage people who are interested in kind of learning more about uh, the X's and O's and what you can expect to check that out. Same with Grant Mulligan at stateofloval.com. Another great piece of what the film kind of shows with this kid. But now his numbers aren't great, but consider he was sacked 31 times in 2022. That is no fun. I cannot imagine what that's like because it's just Man's got pounded every week. Mm. That's right. Straight pounded. Like they, they kept pounding. I mean, it was like, you know, it, it was open saloon doors in terms of being able to get to the quarterback. And it's just unfair what to, you know, for the fans to point at him and be like, well, he's the problem, which, you know, as Jim will point out in the show, that was kind of the common trend with fans from Cal. Here's, here's the, the, I think the part that's really intriguing with, he threw for 200 plus yards last year, nine times. Uh, and threw for 400 yards against USC, number nine USC. And, and he's thrown for, you know, similar numbers uh, when he was at Purdue. They talked about he opened up the season before he transferred in 2021, throwing seven touchdowns in the first four games to zero interceptions and then still lost the starting job. Um, this kid can really throw the football and really fill it up. And guys, I feel like maybe Louisville has found their starting quarterback, right? I mean, I feel like is that the general consensus here is that he is going to probably come in and start day one. Oh, yeah. I, no I'm truly sitting here at a, I don't really know, 50-50 because, I mean, y- you just don't know. I mean, ideally, you look at Jack and you're like, yeah, this is your guy. This is your go-to number one person. But at the same time, we all know Pac-12 football is not that competitive and it's not – I mean, their defenses aren't that great. So, hey, no, uh, you watch your mouth. Do you like your Pac-12 football? Is that, I love Pac-12. Pac-12 after dark is the best football. It's like Maction. I can't get enough of it. Pac-12, Matt. Yeah. <laughs> Matt's watching football. Sorry, Matt. I like to watch real football players. Not 
he does come from a fun, you know, fun conference. I mean, I know California hasn't necessarily been one of the more fun offenses. Bill Musgrave as an offensive coordinator just sounds like pure depth. Like just that sucks. That is horrible. He was not even a good NFL coach, let alone a college coach. Um, so I might I, I I feel bad for the Cal fans and they've lost their starting quarterback now in the portal two years in a row. Uh, but here's the other wrinkle in this. And we'll talk a little bit more about this here in a minute, but Jeff Brom, and uh, I don't know if you know this, but he used to coach at Purdue um, and Jack Plummer also played at Purdue uh, for three, for four years, uh, actually was the starter for two and a half of those years. So they have some familiarity. They've, they've, they've commingled in the workspace uh, and his numbers at Purdue weren't bad. Played 17 games, started 10 games in, in the, that time period. That doesn't seem like a lot of games to start over three years. 10 games, not even a full season. But 64.8% completion rating, 3,400 yards total, 26 touchdowns to 10 interceptions. So can we all agree that that's going to probably lead to uh, having a kind of a leg up in the quarterback race, assuming there is one with Pierce Clarkson and Caleb Johnson? Yes. I'm anxious to see the familiarity. Familiar how familiar he is. <laughs> wow. That was hard. And like just that transition and how much he really remembers on the carryover and how much Jeff has changed coming from Purdue to Louisville. Cause I mean, everybody knows nothing's going to stay completely the same. So what kind of wrinkles and curveballs have been thrown in the offense that Jack's going to need to pick up on the fly and what he can, what can he truly teach Pierce in this one year in the offense? If that's the case and that's the situation and what Caleb Johnson's going to do. I mean, the kids, uh, say Jack Jack or Pierce does win this job, he's pushed down to the third-string quarterback. Is this kid going to ride it out the rest of the year, or is he going to leave in the transfer portal? I mean, my prediction is, you know, somebody might end up leaving in the portal out of that quarterback room if they're not named the one. Yeah, I, I mean, I would imagine so. That's pretty common. Um, that's, just how, that's just how it is now. I mean, like people – it can only be one, too. Yeah, I mean, I mean that's the yeah, thing. that's the unfortunate thing. It's not like you're playing outfield in baseball where there's – three different people out there. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that what he brings from a style standpoint though, is it's going to be fun to watch. It's going to be a lot different. Like we kind of highlighted earlier in the show. So I am too. <laughs> I'm super excited. When you look at the skill position players that he's going to have around him. Now, I don't think our wide, the wide receiver room is necessarily loaded with talent and uh, you, you have a bunch of names, but there's really not a lot of production there. And we'll get into all of that. Uh, as we kind of look ahead and look at the roster and stuff, but you do have a couple of guys who stick out at the top, uh, one being Amari Huggins Bruce. And you've got to think a guy like him is going to benefit a ton from having uh, Jack Plummer as his quarterback. I, I, we tweeted it from the, from the pod account a couple of weeks ago, but that deep crossing pattern is going to be fun. Like, because Amari Huggins Bruce can fly. And for whatever reason, I felt like last year, you never saw speed from him. Like you just never saw. And I don't know if he was injured or if it was more of how he was being utilized, but um, I would expect him to, to kind of pop off next year. I I think so. For sure. I, w- I would hope so, given the pass-heavy offense that Braun likes to run and considering how he's able to mold quarterbacks and get the most out of skill position guys. I mean, we've seen – we saw on multiple occasions uh, well, during his time at Purdue that he was able to produce not only 1,000-yard receivers but All-American candidates at receiver. I mean, hell, this past season at Purdue, Charlie Jones just had 1,300-plus yards and was in, and was a second team – I believe he was a consensus All-American – like and and he came from Iowa, who never on. passes the football. Yeah, yeah. Walk on. it's unreal what he did there. And you had Maccabi, you have uh, obviously Rondell Moore, Milton Wright. You know, you've had a Greg Bell. You've had a ton of guys that have gone through there at the wide receiver position who 
Uh, some have been highly rated and some have been, you know, bottom tier guys on a roster uh, who have worked their way, their way up. And so that's, what's exciting when you talk about Huggins Bruce, but then you add in potentially Braden, uh, and I believe it, uh, Braden Smith coming back next year. Uh, and then you've got Chris Bell, you've got Chance Morrow, you bring in Jaleel McClain. You obviously add in uh, Jadon Thompson and Jimmy Calloway from the portal. Uh, there's Kateris Hicks. I mean, there's definitely a number of guys. D Wiggins is potentially back this season. I mean, I don't, I don't know what the, official ruling is there or what the what he'll end up doing we haven't heard anything but you know he can come back next year I'm pretty sure so you have a ton of guys and I think that you're likely going to see one or two of them go from not really having any production last year to being stars pretty quickly yeah I mean there are already a myriad of options on on offense but I'm not sure that there was a guy that that could that could get guys the ball last year and that was the concerning part right I I understand that that wide receivers didn't do a good job of freeing themselves up, but by the same token, I don't think that Louisville did a good job with the play calling to, you know, they weren't really spreading the ball around on offense. They threw because they had to throw last year. Yeah. 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 So, That's a great, absolutely great description of their offense. Yeah, they, Satterfield runs the ball every play if he can. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, I oh, mean, yeah. Dead, yeah, dead serious. And when you have a guy, when you have a quarterback who's struggling in the passing game, and he's a great runner. I mean, what what else are you going to do? Like we saw that where the offense opened up when a little bit when you had Brock Doman in, especially against Virginia, a little bit against uh, a little bit against Cincinnati, spark spurts against Clemson, but not really. Um, so I mean, obviously a great passing touchdown um, in the Kentucky game in the corner of the end zone there uh, to to Tyler Hudson. So. Uh, what I'm kind of getting to essentially is that there are weapons, there are playmakers. I like the fact that Louisville will have Braden Smith and Amari Huggins Bruce kind of complimenting each other. And then you're going to have three guys really uh, in D Wiggins, uh, Chris Bell, and then it's probably going to be one of, of Jaden Thompson or uh, Jimmy Callaway, who's going to be kind of taking over there. And, and I don't think Louisville's done. They're definitely not done. Yeah. I, I think uh feel pretty confident that Louisville's going to bring in, um, some a couple more big name wide receivers, a couple of guys that could potentially start. Yeah, yeah. So and you need them, I think. The targets are going to be there next year for for uh, for Plummer, and they weren't so much. I, I think that he was kind of a he really only had re, he really only had one or two guys who were you know true like you know first team caliber wide receivers on on yeah. that roster. And I'm not sure they had an offensive line that would have started for Louisville this year. With all of that in mind, it's just going to be a completely different looking team than what he saw at, at Purdue or at Cal. So that that's the interesting part to me. Yeah, and it, it's still way too early to really get into can Louisville win nine games? Can they win eight games? What's the expectations? But I think if you're just kind of – and we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. When you're looking at it – they're, they're putting a team together that has no interest in just being a rebuilding team. Like they're not going to come out here with a young squad and they will be younger, but they're not going to come out there and play young football, a bunch of freshmen all over the field developing. Yeah. Like they're going to have seniors. They're going to have, you know, impact transfers. They're going to have players all over who are experienced. And I think that's going to translate to Brom having immediate success here. I think that that's a huge, fa a huge factor in that next season. Um, and Plummer to me, 
and we kind of talked about this again a couple weeks ago with with Clarkson is the perfect fit because he only has one year of eligibility. So there's no question about what's going to happen the year after unless he pulls in the end Pfeiffer and just, you know, has eight, nine, ten. You get another year. You get another year, which, you know, who knows in college football. There's a ninth year player in college football that will be playing yeah, in 2023. Unreal. Vincent Lococo definitely has eligibility if there's a ninth year player out there. Uh, how are those knees, man? You ready? Nope. Nope. No, no, nope. I'm done. Pierce Clarkson will have a perfect handoff in year two. And, and depending on what Brom does, maybe, maybe you see both quarterbacks this season. I don't know. What do you think? I don't, is two quarterbacks a possibility? I, I don't think Louisville messes around with two, two quarterbacks. In my opinion, I don't think that's ever a good situation that you want to go into the season with. And that's sure as hell, not a situation you want come week five, six, seven and on. Uh, yeah. I think, you know, yeah. be it Pierce or uh, Jack, Go with one, stick with one, unless one's struggling, and then come in and you know pull the trigger. So, yep. What's what's the old adage, Vince? If you got two quarterbacks, you got none. Yep. Yep. Two quarterbacks, you, you got none. You only sure Kyle Bowling and Lamar and make it work. And yeah. Reggie Bonifon, yeah, 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 I'm Reggie, and then Will Gardner, like but like five quarterbacks one year, I guess. You I you think. get the idea, damn it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> but this kid, I mean, look, he comes in here with. You know, I'm not going to say he's set the world on fire and he's the number one transfer in the in the transfer portal and Louisville is going to be national champion. That's by no means what I'm saying here. But this this guy is much more apt to come in and play college football at the level that Louisville can next year than I think Pierce Clarkson is right now. And definitely, you know, I know Caleb got a year under, you know, Scott Satterfield, but that he's also going to be putting in a year, you know, one essentially starting over from scratch. So um, I think Plummer coming in with the familiarity. The, the skill players around him, not even to, I haven't even talked about Jaws um, and, you know, the running back Mo Turner, the guys that are going to be there um, and who can who can really put up numbers. So um, there's going to be a lot from the offensive standpoint that I think will be fun with Plummer as the quarterback. So, all right, let's transition here in the show and uh, bring Jim on to talk about Jack Plummer in a little bit more detail and what you can expect. I think there's a lot of, of interesting nuggets here uh, that uh, will really be takeaways for, for what Louisville's offense can be next year, uh, assuming that there are a couple of certainties and, and we really won't know about those for a while, but uh, we'll talk about those on the show. Uh, but of course, subscribe from the pink seats podcast, anywhere that you get your podcasts, from we're continuing into the off season now no days off no weeks off we've been saying from for like a month we were going to take a week off and nope we're going to start right back up next week with our season recap series that we've done the last couple of years excited about that we've got some great guests that will be joining us so be sure to stay tuned to our social media at pink seats pod for that as we announce those over the next couple of weeks as always support the show by supporting the the state of louisville and from the pink seats podcast athletes to our jordan gear you can get that the air jaws gear at t-shirt hooligan isaac martin as well Let's support those guys, put some, some dollars in their pockets, and then follow us on Twitter at Press Meyer, at Vincent LaCoco, at Matt underscore McGavick, at Jacob Lane 08. Stay tuned on the other side. All right, let's go ahead and jump into the, the meat of the show here uh, and talk about Jack Plummer. We, we kind of led off the show discussing who he is, what his stats are, uh, and what he will bring to the Louisville football program from our perspective. But now is the good stuff, and that's going to the expert, somebody who knows, uh, can break down his game for us uh, in, in a pretty detailed way, as you know we like to do here on the show. So we're excited to bring in Jim McGill of Bear Insider. Jim, how are you? Great. How are you guys doing? Happy New Year. Well, happy new year to you. We are doing good. I, I was telling you before you came on, 
This is an interesting time for a lot of Louisville fans because Malik Cunningham has been here for what, guys? 13, 14 years? I mean, he's been playing. Certainly since, feels like it. Yeah, yeah, since Vince Lacoco's counterpart in the 40s. Uh, it's <laughs> been, it feels like it's been forever since Louisville has gotten a quarterback. There's definitely been guys over the last couple of years, but not someone who has been projected to come in here and start uh, at least this this quickly. So it's exciting time for, for Louisville fans to discuss what, discuss what the season can be and how Jack Plummer will kind of integrate into this program. Uh, but let's first just jump off and get a little bit about you and what you do. Uh, tell our audience uh, a little bit about what you do out there in California and what you're uh, what you're up to these days. Well, I'm the editor for Baron Cider, which is the largest Cal fan site out there. We've got about 20,000 um, registered users. And, um, you know, the West Coast isn't nearly as passionate a fan base as a lot of the Midwest and, and Southern SEC conferences, Texas area conferences are. But um, the, the Cal fans are loyal, diehard fans, and the uh, the message boards and the stories and the chats and everything that we do, um, it really keeps people plugged into the program, and we have a pretty good inside pipeline, a good relationship with the staff, from staff to staff, year over year, as they've changed over the, the decades, and um, we're all Cal people, and we're not just journalists, we're Cal people, so um, it, it helps add to the love for the, the program and the university. And I, I think that that's, that's a good thing as long as you can remain objective. And we always have. Some people accuse us of sunshine pumping, but, um, <laughs> you know, seeing the positive in things without necessarily always taking the negative or controversial viewpoint. I, I, I don't know that you'd call that sunshine pumping, but whatever they want to call it, that's fine. But I've been at this uh, almost 20 years myself. The site started pretty much at the advent of the, the internet. It started in 1998. And I think it may even predate calbears.com, the official Cal website, but I'm not completely sure about that. But uh, to, to show you how committed we are, I think I was at 28 of the 30 available spring and fall practices to go to from start to finish oh, and wow. uh, cover recruiting quite a bit. Um, do all the, the home and road games, I think I've been to 116 of the last 118 games. Wow. That's wow. a streak right there. Matt, you got some work to do, buddy. Yeah. That's big J yeah. right there. <laughs> yeah, we give Matt a hard time around here. Matt works harder than any one of us, probably all of us combined when it comes to his craft. And we get we give him crap all the time about how he lives his journalistic life. But that's nothing like you. That That's the real J journalist. Yeah, right no, that's, there. That, that's uppercase J journalism right there. <laughs> I love it. I love every minute of it, honestly. So just real quick, I've got to ask you about two athletes, what it was like in your experience covering these these guys. We grew up, both all of us here in the, the early 2000s as kids. I'm sure you guys all watched Marshawn Lynch and Aaron Rodgers, both big Cal football players. What was it like covering those two guys? I think those are the most notable football players uh, from, from the university, at least that I can think of off the top of my head from our era of being a child. Or and being, Deshaun you know, Jackson, too. Yeah, Deshaun Jackson. That's another good one, yeah. Yeah, um, it was it was great covering those guys. Aaron came in right when I did, and the buzz around him was that there was this amazing kid at Butte JC where Cal went out to scout the tight end, Russell Cross, and they're like, who is this quarterback throwing him the ball? He's throwing dimes. And he, he came in to a situation at Cal in 2003 as a sophomore JC transfer, and he was behind Reggie Robertson, who was a, a good quarterback. He had really nice numbers, but Rodgers was such an undeniable talent that when he got his first start in game three or game four at Illinois, I was there with my family, not covering the game officially. And we were up in the nosebleeds in the second deck. 
And I was looking at this play unfold where he was getting pressure. His receivers were all over the place, but nobody was even slightly open. I was thinking, what's he going to do? Is he going to try and throw it away? Is he going to take a sack? Well, he, he ran to the right hash mark, threw it to the left sideline about 20 yards down the field. So it was a really long throw to a guy in super tight coverage, put him perfectly on the back shoulder. I was like, nobody does this. This guy's going to be unbelievable. And he went on to have a very nice sophomore season and then junior season. Man, he, he could have led them to the national championship game. They were first down, first in goal on the nine-yard line at, at USC on the road late in the fourth quarter. And uh, his receiver slipped on the ball. It would have been a touchdown. And that was the only team that even played USC close that year. And he and Robertson led them to a win over USC the year before when they were I think they were national champions in 03 too. So unbelievable, just super talented. And um, he, he's a really interesting guy, super loyal to his teammates. Doesn't, uh, doesn't take a lot of crap, never did. Um, and then Marshawn, he was the guy that almost went to Oregon, but the Cal staff worked tirelessly on keeping him home, especially Kevin Parker, uh, also known as KP. He's a local guy from Oakland that's, that's been on the Cal staff. He was in the recruiting department at that point in time. And uh, Marshawn, man, when he made the decision to, to go to Cal, he, he was all in, loves the Bears, still does, still does a lot of appearances. He showed up at, um, at the spring game a couple of years ago, and he actually had a, a running play um, in uniform, surprise. And of course, nobody could touch him. It was all in fun. But um, yeah, he loves the program and he's involved in uh, an NIL initiative with his beast mode product, uh, our clothing company. And, um, Cal is one of those programs that's actually approaching NIL from the spirit of the law where any guys that are getting money, they're, they're, they're doing sponsorships. They're earning it every step of the way. They're not just getting paid a check. Um, so he was unbelievable. Even as a freshman, he was great. I mean, he didn't start as a freshman. You think, man, why in the world would a talent like him not start as a freshman? Well, he was behind J.J. Arrington who ran for 2,000 yards in 2004. So yeah. <laughs> that's why he didn't start then. But he started as a, a, a sophomore and a junior and then went to the NFL after that. And Deshaun, it's really a shame that he had no overlapping years with, with Aaron Rodgers because, man, they could have torn it up in 2005. But Aaron went to the draft early, so they didn't quite cross over. That would have been absolutely amazing. But, man, I know everybody's seen some of his crazy plays at Cal, especially the punt return for a touchdown against Tennessee where it was like a video game, like Frogger back and forth and yeah. <laughs> unbelievable. And I, I had an interesting experience with him. I was at the All-American Bowl uh, covering him in San Antonio. And some of the East players, while they were stretching, said, oh, you're going to USC, right? And he said, nah. And my ears kind of perked up because he was kind of considered a silent commit to USC at that point. And they said, oh, that's right. You're going to Cal. And he said, oh, I didn't say that. And I was like, oh, okay, that's a non-denial denial. And <laughs> look out for this guy. And then when he had the hats on the table on the TV show on, on the LOI day and he chose Cal, everybody went nuts. And he was unbelievable, too. Such an incredible talented receiver and returner and just a, a pleasure to watch. And, and right after them, I mean, Cameron Jordan had a overlap a couple of years, too. And he's been one of the best defensive linemen in the NFL for a long time and been in the top 100 NFL players for the last few years. So. I mean, it's been it's been a pleasure to watch some really really high level players go through the program over the years. Yeah, some of those Cal teams from the mid two thousands they uh they were pretty damn good, and like you said, they were just 
that one game away from reaching the championship, like they, they really could have made some damage. Like Louisville versus Rutgers uh, back in the day, the Orange Bowl team, you know, just one, one play, one snap away uh, from uh, making the national championship and winning it. Yeah. 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 Anyways, kind of fast forwarding present day talking about Jack Plummer Uh, last week, I did my own little personal scouting report write up about him, but obviously I don't know nearly as much as you do. Who's actually seen him in person covered him for all these games. So based, based on what you've seen firsthand, what would, what would you give as your semi brief evaluation slash scouting report on Jack Plummer? My first impression of Jack was uh, early spring practice, and he came in as a spring enrollee, but all you have available to get your timing down with your your receivers is, you know, player scheduled stuff off the field. And the thing that struck me right away is Cal has some really big, fast receivers, and the timing right off the bat was impeccable. That tells me this is a guy that put in a lot of off-season effort and built relationships with his, his future receivers right away because you don't come into a new program and hit fast guys on crossing patterns right on the dot and have chemistry right off the bat. And one thing that I heard from him really early is he's he's got the guy's ears. He's got the locker room. And that's really important for a quarterback, too, especially a transfer coming in. But he's a guy with a big arm. He um, he played behind a really rough offensive line. The, the line was terrible. He got sacked a lot. He took a lot of really big hits and he kept getting up. He was a real warrior. But when he got hit a lot, it started to rattle his confidence a little bit. Um, so that's where you saw a little bit of uneven play here or there. But you've gone over the numbers you mentioned earlier. Um, the 132 passer rating is real solid. It would put him in Cal's top 20 seasons, probably somewhere in the 15 to 20 range. The uh, 3,100 yards, really nice. The touchdown to interception ratio behind a rough line is good, 21 to 9. Um, so he, he put up good numbers, even though he was in a really rough situation. Late in the season, they made a change on the offensive line uh, coaching and offensive coordinator. They opened things up a little bit more and he was starting to flourish in that. And I think that that gave a little bit better indication along with the early season results of what he could do. I think if you guys have a decent line there at Louisville, um, he could put up some really nice numbers. I don't know what your skill guys are like. I don't know what your line's like. Um, I don't know if you can ex- uh, educate me briefly on that. I know your fans know all about it, but uh, if, if you're putting him in a pretty good situation, I think you're going to find a really nice quarterback on your hands. Yeah. I mean, I think when you look at what Louisville was the the last couple of years and obviously, you know, still trying to figure out what it's going to look like for, for Brom, um, I'm from an offensive line perspective, but they've given the quarterback the opportunity to throw the football and it's been uh, quarterbacks that have been unable to do so. And when you talk about a quarterback like Plummer coming in uh, who has familiarity with the scheme that he's going to play in and can be protected. I mean, they bring, they bring back a, a semi-starter, Michael Gonzalez, who'll likely play left tackler could at least uh, play along the left side of the line. And then they get Renato Brown back and then everything else in between Brian Hudson, a veteran, they got guys that can play and Plummer. I was impressed with just the ability to take a simple three-step drop back and just sling the football. And that's something we haven't seen around here in a long time, a long time. Yeah, I would I would uh, compare him 
to Davis Webb, who is a one-year quarterback at Cal mm-hmm. in 2016, who's in the NFL right now. They have similar frames, uh, similar arms. He's definitely a guy that can sling it. And I think that if he has confidence that he's not going to get pounded by the rush, I think you'll see his accuracy be really good too. I would expect it to be in the high 60s instead of the low 60s. Um, I, I think what he was able to put up this year, despite the pounding that he took, was was pretty admirable. But you put him in a little bit better situation, I think you've got a really good quarterback on your hands. When I was watching the USC game, I noticed, or the highlights, I would say, uh, Jack was making extending a lot of plays with his feet in, in the pocket. He wasn't uh, necessarily taking the initiative to go run, I would say, what, what us Louisville fans are more traditionally used to a running style of a quarterback. Uh, would you say that's something we would uh, expect more out of Jack, being more elusive in the pocket opposed to taking off and uh, making something happen with his, uh, with his feet? Yeah, he's certainly not a dual threat quarterback, but he does have decent wheels. I, I kind of would equate him to, to Jared Goff at Cal, um, an opportunistic runner. He doesn't go through his progressions super fast. He makes sure that if he's going to take off, it's because he doesn't have an open receiver and he sees a little bit of a lane. He, he's He's got a good pocket presence. He senses the rush pretty well. And I think he's pretty smart about when he runs. And when he did run, he he picked up a, a decent chunk of yards. He's not gonna, a guy that's going to outrun anybody. But if he's got space to operate, he's he's going to pick up that first down if it if if there's space. We're used to as Louisville fans. I mean, it was it wasn't a seamless transition, but it was a pretty quick turnover from Lamar Jackson to Malik Cunningham, and those are two of the top five rushers in school history. So uh, it, it's it's going to be unusual for fans to to get used to. Uh, having a quarterback behind center who is much more apt to to throw the ball than than pass the ball. There were times, especially uh, in in his early years, that Malik Cunningham would would take off before even going through his first progression. So, uh, hmm. I mean, Vince, you're on the staff, so you can you can talk. Yeah, to it was not it was not fun uh, to deal. Just the small things that I noticed with Jack, the like Jacob said, being able to take a three step drop and hit your receiver on a slant or you know, something quick. It seemed like to me when I was watching Jack that uh, he doesn't throw the most, he doesn't have the zippiest ball. So it's not coming in there hot, but like you mentioned, which kind of reassured me is he got in the off season and spent time with his wide receivers to develop timing. And that's what I saw a lot more out of Jack was just straight timing stuff. And it didn't seem like he was reading a whole lot. So can you speak on that? Was that him just more timing or is he having a zip on the ball? I would say. He has all the arm strength he needs. He did not have any issues not completing passes because he didn't have enough zip on the ball. That, that's something I would not worry about as a Louisville fan. Um, he only struggled, I think, with accuracy and timing when he was what I think we would consider shell-shocked. He got really pounded in the Washington State game. I saw him after the game just sitting on the, the ground waiting for the bus. And he was just, he just kept getting up and getting up and getting up, but it impacted him from that point on for a few games, you could see the timing wasn't quite there. And I, I think that it was because he was anticipating hits that may or may not come. The timing was there when he wasn't under fire and when he had a few games under his belt where he, he could just sit back there and operate. But he is a guy that I think went through his progressions better than anybody at Cal since Jared Goff. And Goff was really good at it, too. So 
um, that that's pretty high praise. I think he was even better at it than Davis yeah. was. <laughs> when you look at the quarterback position, uh, especially in modern day college football, you you've got a bunch of guys out there playing football. Like there's a, how many number of starting quarterbacks across the country, but only so many guys elevate and make the players around them better. They elevate. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't say a mediocre wide receiver, running back crew, but they're able to take a, a good a good group and you know make them great or make them better and elevate their skills, put them in positions to win. Would you describe Jack Plummer and from what you've seen as, as from him as a guy who's able to kind of take what he's given and make the most out of it in terms of getting the most out of wide receiver number one, tight end number three, uh, just really being able to kind of um, you know take advantage of what's what's he what he's given. If he's given time to operate, I would say yes. He's not a, a quarterback that locked into a favorite receiver all the time. He spread the ball around a decent amount. And I think that's really important for a successful offense. Because if you see a quarterback go into a, a favorite receiver, even if the guy is really good, the defense is going to start to key on that guy. But if you've got four or five legit threats out there all at the same time, he's the type of guy that can distribute it to them. And he knows guys' strengths and weaknesses. And it's those guys that stay late after practice and put in the off-season work and spend a lot of time in the film room that that are able to build that rapport pretty quickly. And he's going to have to do that again at Louisville. I mean, yeah, he's been under Coach Brown before, but it's still a new set of personalities working with. He's still going against different opponents than he's used to. So it still is an adjustment period. But, you know, if the pass is any indication, he's, he's probably already talking to guys. He's probably already looking at film and he's probably going to be out on the field within a week or two with guys, I would think. And I think he learned how important that was in that, that transition period at Cal. And I would expect to see it there too. Uh, like I said, it, it's all about giving him time to operate. If you've got guys that can create a little bit of separation, they don't have to be superstars. If you've got a line that gives him time to throw and keep his eyes downfield, he's going to get the job done. So as a, as someone who covers football and basketball and, and just as a whole, just the, the sporting world, you know that anybody who's listening or reading, they're looking for something to get pissed off about. And if, if, if you're a Louisville fan, you see Jack Plummer come in, uh, what, what would be some concerns that the fans are going to have? Obviously, you know, he transferred from Purdue. He went, went to Cal. Cal had a four and, four and eight season this year. So I guess kind of a two-pronged question, really, you know, what led to Cal's demise really this year? And, and, you know, what, what can fans kind of look at that, that he needs to improve in, in certain areas? Well, if you want to look at the negative side, just talking from the Cal fan experience, they said, oh, we're getting a guy from Purdue that got passed by and uh, he's just looking for a place to play. And I talked with him about that when he first came in. He said, how many quarterbacks do you know that threw seven touchdowns and no interceptions and had a quarterback rating over 150 that got replaced? what can I do? You know? And so he had a good point. Um, at Cal, he started off really well, but it, it wasn't until, um, you know, the competition stepped up and the line just really was inadequate that he struggled. I would say the two weaknesses were Cal this year were the offensive line and the, uh, the play calling with Bill Musgrave, the offensive coordinator, not very inventive at all. I don't think he put his guys in position to succeed. And you could see as soon as he was gone, the last two games, the, staff combined to put together game plans that allowed them to move the ball much better. They were much more efficient. And then they had 
their previous uh, previous offensive line coach Steve Great went in on an interim basis for a couple of games, and the line played a lot better. I think they only gave up one or two sacks in those last couple of games, so it was a big difference. And his play got better, and the team's play got better. But this team easily should have been a bowl a bowl team if the the line would have been coached adequately and they had a little bit more creativity on the play calling side because they have a lot of talent on that team. While we're on this topic, I'm curious, what was the biggest difference in the overall on offensive systems and concepts when Cal did move on from their OC? Was it something about uh, what type of routes and what kind of plays they were drawing up? What was the biggest difference in Cal's overall offensive philosophy in those final two games? They had some consultants come in during the course of the season that said, you know, you're not, you're not getting these skill guys that are very talented in space you need to give these guys space to be able to pick up yards and you're getting too predictable in the play calling. So the play calling was not predictable at all. It was different from anything that we had seen during the course of the year. So defenses couldn't key off the tendencies that they saw before. And they, they have a lot of really good receivers. Um, Jeremiah Hunter, Jim Michael Sturdivant, um, uh, running back Jaden Ott, Maven Anderson is a flanker. Um, they, they've got a lot of, a lot of good weapons out there that they, they utilized during the course of the year, but probably didn't maximize and getting them more in space allowed them the creativity to pick up more yards after catch and uh, just be more dynamic players that they were intended to be. So uh, we saw that a lot in those last couple of games and uh, it should be a much different philosophy this year that I think we'll, we'll see a lot more wide open offense. And I think the key will be who are they going to get through the portal on the offensive line and uh, how are they going to work with the guys that are coming back from the line too? A lot hinges on the line because I think I've got a lot of a lot of pretty good talent in the rest of the positions around the team. That sounds a lot like us, right, guys? When we're getting a new coach that spreads the ball out a lot more, we don't have to <laughs> it sounds like we have a lot we can relate to here. It does, and and we we can share the misery of basketball the last couple of years with Jim. I know Jim, we were the last two hanging there <laughs> on the winless train. How did that uh, happen yeah. in Louisville? I have no with that storied history. Oh, uh, <laughs> that's yeah. that's a, we'll we'll talk about. How long that do you want to be another here? podcast? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we've won uh, two now. You yeah, well, hey. High five right there with you. Two and 12, <laughs> two and 13. Uh, but let me ask you about this. You mentioned what Cal Twitter and what the people on social media were saying about Jack when he was coming to California, when he uh, left California um, or during, you know, the, the highs of, of and lows of the season. What was social media? What was the buzz around him? Like, was there a, as the season went on and he kind of proved himself? Was there this growing affection for him and people loving him? Uh, was it kind of a love hate relationship type of deal? What was it with the social media and big following around the program and the quarterback? It really depends on how level-headed the fan was. If they're very reactionary, they blamed him for problems. If they're more level-headed, they'd say he didn't have time to operate. When he did earlier, he was good, so he, we need to give him time to operate. Uh, so it really depended on the fan base, uh, who, what their perspective was. Um, he wasn't universally loved, but I think we're seeing a lot of people that are regretting him depart right now. Um, the departure was interesting. It, it wasn't like he was just recruited over or they didn't want him. Um, they would have been happy to have him back, but he didn't want to hear that any portal transfer quarterbacks were being brought in to compete with him either. Um, he wanted a little bit more clear path because he, 
he had that situation with O'Connell at Purdue and he, he didn't, and he's only coming back to prove himself for the NFL. And the only way he's going to prove himself for the NFL is by starting and playing all season. So if he wasn't going to go, make himself eligible for the draft, he was going to go to a situation where he was going to play with a coach that he, he respected and committed to once uh, in the beginning because of him um, and a, a situation where he knew he could flourish. But I think if he came back to Cal, whoever they end up bringing in through the portal, he would have had every chance to win back the job, but they were not going to promise it to him. And I think he needed that promise. He just couldn't take the chance. Do you think the offensive line play might have played a little bit of a factor as well? Oh, for sure. I don't think he knows how the line's going to be this year and he doesn't want to get pounded again. I mean, they can say, hey, we've we've got good potential with this guy in the portal or that guy in the portal. And you see how the line played better when we made a change with the, the offensive line staff, but still there's, there's question marks. And if Louisville has a, a, a better offensive line situation that could have easily played into his decision too. I don't think there's many programs that he would have transferred to, honestly. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, and that, that whole so. kind of summary of the departure and what he's kind of looking for is interesting as well, because here in Louisville, I don't know how much you keep up with recruiting, but uh, there's some California kids that are arriving on campus here in just a few weeks, if they're not already on campus, uh, including Pierce Clarkson, who's one of the top quarterbacks in the entire country who competes or who's expected to compete for, for the starting job. Uh, both will likely uh, potentially be here in January. So things will be certainly interesting in that regard um, in terms of, you know, whether or not Plummer ends up being the starter or what the kind of plan is there. Uh, one year left of eligibility, I believe. So that obviously plays a factor as well. Yeah. Um, last question on Plummer here, uh, and then we'll get out of here. But um, overall, Louisville over the last several years has been really fortunate to have a lot of great human beings come through the football program at the quarterback position, including Lamar Jackson, Teddy Bridgewater, um, and of course, Malik Cunningham. Can you just, just kind of speak on a little bit of what kind of kid, uh, what kind of person, human being that, that Jack Plummer is, the character he kind of portrays, um, and what Louisville fans can kind of expect uh, with any kind of stories that you've heard or experienced with, you know, fan engagement and just uh, things like that, uh, that, that, you know, obviously fans love to see from the quarterback of, uh, that's kind of the face of the team. Yeah. Plummer's kind of a throwback player. He's not, uh, he's not boisterous or vocal. He, he, he might strike you as a, a guy who might have played uh, was all American in the fifties and in a movie. Um, <laughs> he's kind of the strong silent type, but he doesn't give you canned answers either. When you, when you talk to him, when you interview with him. And, you know, I, I think one thing that was interesting to me is when I was talking to him on an informal interview, I was asking him about Cal's academics. He said, yeah, you know, that's great. I respect Cal's academics, but this was a football decision for me. And you don't see many guys come into Cal saying that. He's just a straight shooter. And I, I think any fan that talks to him is like, you know, I, I feel like I talk to the real guy. I don't feel like I, I talk to some plastic guy who's just saying what he needs to say. Well, yeah. I'm glad he made that decision to come to Louisville because of academics, right, guys? <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> oh, yeah, totally. Because we all know that Louisville can compete with uh, UC Berkeley. <laughs> yeah, with the highest of highs of, of academia across the country. Louisville is mentioned with the Harvards, the Cals, all of that. We, we already know. We don't even need to speak on that. Well, Jim, thank you so much for your time. It's been uh, a blast getting to speak with you and talk uh, about Jack Plummer and what Louisville can expect. Uh, for anyone who wants more coverage, where can they find you, my friend? Uh, bearinsider.com uh, my twitter is uh, bearinsider underscore com and uh, we have regular stories out we've got fan forums for people to engage and stories that, uh, that fill people in on the program all the time 
Well, thank you so much again for coming on, and uh, we'll we'll look uh, look forward to seeing what Plumber does in the red and black this year. Uh, and best best uh, wishes to you all as the Cal program uh, tries to find their next quarterback in the portal. You know how that can go. It's like trying to find uh, a needle in the haystack sometimes there. So there is. <laughs> you guys are lucky it's all over with. Yeah, that's right. From the Pink Seeds Podcast, make sure you subscribe anywhere you get your shows from. Jacob Lane, Vincent LaCoco, Matt McGavick, Press Meyer, stateoflouisville.com, UofL Report of Sports Illustrated, where you can find Matt McGavick's work. We will catch up with you next time. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.